You're listening to the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm Adam God. And in this corner, Brian Barbarina. Yes, UFC fighter Brian Barbarina is here with us today. Recently moved to Gaston County, settled with his family here in Belmont. He's going to be talking to us about his career, his near-death experience, and why he's not done yet inside the octagon. So I'm here with Elizabeth McGee and our guest today on Savvy Citizens, Brian Barbarina. Brian, thanks so much for coming in and, and talking with us today. Yeah, thank you both for having me on. So if you know anything about uh, the world of mixed martial arts and, and UFC, you probably have seen Brian's name. Um, he um, is not originally from Gastonia, but you train here basically full time, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, actually, I you know, train at Jim O's, the gym here. It's in Gastonia. Uh, recently actually just moved to Belmont not too long ago. Nice. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my head coach, Jeff Jimmo, he runs it and everything. And, uh, when I first met him and everything, it was at, at a fight and at a gym that I used to train at and he was training somebody there and, uh, he invited me out to anytime I was in the area. So when we moved out this way, uh, of course I came to see him. So you just fought recently, um, in London. And it was a fight that you weren't originally scheduled to be on the card for, right? Yes, yes. So I stepped in on short notice. Um, his opponent had fell out. Um, you know, I was eager to get back after taking a loss in my previous fight um, mm -hmm. against Dos Anjos. And so I was eager to get back and, and show what I've been working on. Uh, the fight did not go how I envisioned it or wanted it to, um, you know, end up taking the L. But uh, against a very good opponent, legend in the game as well and um so uh back to the drawing board you know we just you know continue to improve what do you do to recover from a fight because you said you've been traveling and you were a little jet lagged and i heard you say you were working on your farm <laughs> yeah 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 so it's it's hard to like really you know rest after i do my best to recover and uh you know rest my body and if i have any injuries or anything like you know i got arm barred in this last fight so i couldn't you know my arm was pretty messed up and i mm. uh, couldn't really use it very much i have farm chores to do uh you know i have animals kids that want to play and stuff like that too so it's uh definitely tough um but i do you know what i can and um you know for the last couple of weeks has been just using one arm and trying to do <laughs> things you know and, and rest as much as possible that's really the the biggest thing is you know not being in a rush to get everything done and just you know take my time how long do you typically go between fights i mean does it depend upon kind of how much you got banged up in, in the previous fight uh, that's definitely like a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, injuries just because, you know, you got to heal, you got to get better and be able to train and everything. And I'm, I've gone through a lot of serious injuries where I've been out for years at a time. Oh, wow. Um, um, so that's happened multiple times. So lately though, I've been kind of fighting every about two, three months. Um, and that's been awesome. I like to stay consistent. It's, uh, really been nice to like, I feel like I'm catching up on the time that I've been out. Mm -hmm. with uh, recovering from injuries so uh yeah just how banged up you get how fast you can recover and then you know the matchmakers are really a, a big thing too you know they're you know they got to match up a bunch of fighters so uh you know after you fight it's like you know you try not to get in the back of the line you try to stay on stay in their ear to sure. you know, really push back and say like hey man i just want to fight again in three months kind of thing so uh if it works out where you can they can get you matched up and everything then uh they will but sometimes it takes a little bit longer I'm curious about as you're coming up in mixed martial arts, is there any type of 
um, training that you favor or a type of a fighting style that you kind of started with that got you into UFC and MMA? Um, well, I do have a favorite style, but it's not just because I started with it or anything. I actually didn't start doing mixed martial arts or anything until I started doing it all at one time. Oh, wow. Um, I actually played high school football, uh, did very well, had college offers to go play, and happened to find mixed martial arts UFC on TV in high school and uh, was like, I want to do that. And so I had like one more year of football my senior year, and there, I ended up doing very well and uh, having like even more offers to go play. Uh, but decided to turn those down, and I was going to go pursue mixed martial arts and wow. and do that. My parents weren't very happy. Did that feel like <laughs> a risk to you at the time? Did it feel risky to make that kind of – it was a total career jump for you. Yeah. Um, no, not really. Just because uh, at the time, I had fallen out of love with football and didn't mm. have the passion and the drive anymore to do, do it and had totally fell in love with MMA mm. and mixed martial arts and wanting to – just dive into that and commit all of it, all myself into that. So, um, you know, my parents, while they were upset about me not going to college, um, you know, they were very supportive of my decision because, I mean, they know how I am and <laughs> when I love something and when they know I was going to give it my best effort. So, mm-hmm. um, but to get back to your question of what, you know, martial art really, what style, I'm definitely a stand-up fighter okay. um, as I prefer to, to strike, I consider it kind of like a, a Muay Thai more style just because I like to throw elbows mm-hmm. and I like to throw knees. But elbows is like my favorite, you know, strike to throw and everything. But mm-hmm. uh, so I like to keep the fights on the feet, which has been, you know, I've always working my, my ground game. But that's definitely have been my uh, troublesome spots coming into my fights and stuff is, you know, people try to get me to the ground. Mm. They don't really want to stand. Mm. Well, and that's, I mean, the whole nature of MMA. I mean, you've got people that have different backgrounds. I mean, you've got guys, I think the guy that you fought in London is more of a, a wrestling grappling type of a fighter. And so like, how do you combat that? How do you train knowing like, okay, there's certain parts of my game that are, that are my strengths. How do I, how do I shore up kind of my weaknesses? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he was a definitely, he's a strong, strong grappler, very big jujitsu player. Um, so submission grappling has the, you know, the wrestling to do the takedowns and everything. Uh, but he has a weird karate style also, so he's very explosive in and out, so he closes distance very well and goes mm. through his body locks and things like that, which we were all really prepared for. And coming off, you know, like I said, we're always working, especially for me, working my ground game and stuff. And, uh, you know, actually after the fight before that, I, you know, had lost due to grappling or whatever guy out grappled me. I thought it was going to be more of a striking exchange and ended up being more of a grappling exchange. So um, got out grappled, but went right to the drawing board, started improving, um, you know, working on it nonstop. And that's just what you got to do is, uh, you know, put yourself in those situations that are uncomfortable and uh, continue to improve in those areas. And uh, sometimes it still doesn't work out. You know, sometimes, you know, you're still not able to improve fast enough or, uh, you know, make the adjustments quick enough um, against a guy who's been doing it his entire career, you know. Um, So, uh, again, you know, it doesn't mean you just give up on it or, you know, have a uh, stop preparing and getting better. So it's like I said, back to the drawing board. I'm going to continue to improve, continue to improve in those areas. My grappling, um, you know, I know I'm a good striker, so I don't really I can touch on that here and there. But obviously, I need to spend a lot of time grappling and wrestling and really improving those areas to get better and better. When you've won, what, 18 bouts? 
I honestly do not know my record. Ah. <laughs> so when I looked it up, I think I think it was 18 and 10, but if I got that wrong, I'll go back and just fix this and make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, do you have a particular fight that you look back on and you go, wow, like that? I really kind of came into my own in that fight and I really even maybe outperformed my own expectations. You know, uh, you know, people often ask me kind of something like that. I mean, never really like outperform my expectations, I guess. Um, there's a fight that is really one of my favorite fights, and I lost the fight. Okay. Um, the guys, I mean, it was a back forth striking battle. There was some wrestling exchanges, um, defensive and, and things like that where I had to defend, but most of it was just a striking exchange. And it just felt like in that fight, you know, people really got to see a glimpse of my striking ability and, and things like that. Um, the guy also is a very good striker, very dangerous striker and a very tough guy. And he is, you know, a, good, a great person inside and outside of the octagon. Um, you know, I talked to him here and there, you know, uh, just saying nice things, really. He's always said nice things. and I have nothing but nice things to say about him. Um, I lost in the final six seconds, I oh, think, wow. something like that. Or That's close. Of the the final round. Wow. Um, you know, they said I was winning on the scorecards, which obviously oh. doesn't matter if right. you get finished. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I still look back on that fight and just, honestly, I just really enjoyed it. You know, I felt like I was, it was just, we were both in a zone, uh, kind of just, you know, giving it back and forth, taking it back and forth. And uh, so I always really like enjoy thinking back on that fight. And then, I mean, the next one would be, uh, taking out a legend and Robbie Lawler. Oh, and, wow. Okay. And before that is Matt Brown. I mean, it's, those two are like toss-ups because those mm -hmm. are two guys I've watched for a very long time. Um, I love their styles. They're strikers as well. And, you know, especially Robbie Lawler, like he's a guy that you know he's not going to go for a takedown. You right. know, he know he's going to stand there in exchange. And uh, in those fights, I feel like, you know, I went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them in their best area and gave it right back and was able to come out with the win. So – uh, those are pretty big moments in my career. How do you, when you're when you're kind of first making your way in this, how do you go about kind of developing a fan base? I mean, how, and how important is that to you as a as a fighter? Because obviously, you talked about like wanting to stay at the head of the line for that next fight. Um, does does popularity and fan base have a lot to do with that? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think uh, you know, on the UFC side, for sure, you know, they want a guy who's going to be able to not only sell tickets but bring new eyes to the to the fight game and with you when you have a big fan base you know they're spreading word to other people you know and letting them know hey you got to watch this guy you got to watch him fight mm -hmm. i do like coming up it was definitely more like i'm not big on social media now um but when i coming up i was like all over social media kind of like trying to build my my brand mm -hmm. and uh being better at it and then um I don't know. I've never had like a ton of followers, I guess. Uh, you know, you see some of these guys and they jump to like, you know, million pretty quick or whatever, right. you know, 100,000 or whatever. Um, I've never had a ton of followers, but I always feel like the people that follow me are very strong group of people who are committed and supportive and uh, really believe in me. So they're not just there to, to hang out. They're there to just mm -hmm. support. So uh, um, I'm always thankful for the people that do follow me. And honestly, it's still shocking that people want to follow me or want my autograph <laughs> or you know want me to sign something and mm -hmm. or a picture of me or whatever um it's really just like shocking to me still um because i consider myself just a normal guy you know mm -hmm. who 
pursued something that he wanted to do and was able to do it. So, um, yeah, it's just, I think fan base is big. Uh, you know, I do what I can and whatever, but like I said, I just try to stay true to myself. That's the biggest thing for me is I'm not trying to be somebody else. I'm going to be myself 100%. And, um, if you guys want to follow along, that's great. And I appreciate you being there. Yeah. So speaking of following along, where do where do people follow you? Because you talked about not being big on social media, but you're there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, um, I'm definitely more active uh, when fights, when I have fights, sure. or when I'm trying to push for fights and yep. stuff like that. But uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, and that's Brian with a Y underscore Barbarina. Okay, and um, and then I have a Facebook uh, fan page, and that's just Brian Barbarina, and. Uh, you can follow me there. I post when I do post, I post all my stuff there. Um, you know, I post about my farm a little bit, some pictures from my farm, uh, my family, what's going on, you know, what I'm up to kind of things, me in overalls, because that's what I wear most <laughs> of the time. Nice. <laughs> uh, what kind of farm is it? You said you got animals. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, animals. So we have, uh, cows, uh, chickens, of course, yeah. uh, goats, sheep, and pigs okay and then um you know we have a garden and everything which we're pretty behind on right now and everything <laughs> you know we're kind of behind on everything we're actually rebuilding our farm um so oh, we wow. had lived in tennessee and uh our, had moved out here and we had a farm in tennessee which is we had built from scratch we bought the home with the land and then okay. we put up all the fencing and got all the animal setups and everything and uh did that um but then when we moved out out here we're rebuilding now, so we bought a house with land. Mm -hmm. Has so we're refencing everything and rebuilding oh, wow. everything. So starting from scratch again in that sense, and uh, so a lot to do, a lot to get done. But yeah, we really enjoy it uh, as much as it gets frustrating sometimes. It is uh, really stress relief, a real stress reliever, and you know, peaceful and yeah, fun. We've reached the point in the podcast where we're stopping to do a commercial. But no, it's not selling you something. It's telling you something. Did you know Savvy Citizen now has a live music series? Check out the monthly episodes of Savvy Sounds, where we bring you original music and interviews with musicians from in and around Gaston County. View it on demand on the Gaston County Government YouTube page. Just search for the Savvy Sounds playlist. I want to talk a little bit more about how you found your way to Gaston County. I know you said you met your trainer at a competition, um, but what was it that made you finally decide to actually move here and buy house and reestablish your whole farm here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if I go back, like I, like I said, I met Jeff. Jeff Jimmo was the, is the owner of the gym. He was uh, a coach to one of my training partners. I lived in Arizona, actually, at the time. And was training at a gym out there called the MMA Lab. And uh, a buddy of mine named Scott Holtzman was training there. He would fly in and train during camps. And then Jeff would come out occasionally and, like, teach. And he'd be in Scott's corner all the time. Uh, so then we both fought in Nashville together. And that's when me and Jeff really, like, meshed and came together and mm. became buddies and stuff like that. He helped me with meal preps. And then we talked a lot that week. And then, you know, he invited me out and said, you know, if I'm ever in town. Um but then, you know, I have three kids and, you know, my wife and I, we just really, we kind of wanted to slow things down. I wanted to start a farm and, you know, kind of talked her into the idea. And then she started going for the idea. And then, uh, so we were looking at land and my buddy Scott actually lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we looked 
at property out there and I happened to move out there first. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that way I can kind of train with him and then cross train at Jimmo. Yep. Um, so then we moved out there, built the farm and everything. And then I was traveling, ended up traveling more like all the time for training. I trained a little bit out in Knoxville and then uh, trained, you know, at Jimmo, traveling back and forth and would stay at Jeff's for the week okay. and then come home during camps. Mm -hmm. So I'd be there all week and then drive home. And then it was just, that was a lot on me and a lot of my family. Like, I'm, I don't like to be away from them. I don't like yeah. to be gone, especially yeah. all week and, and everything. Um, and so it was like something that we had talked about needing to change, needing to change. Like we want to move, but it's like, oh, well, we just got here and we just kind of set up. Need to move, need to move. Well, then I almost died. <laughs> and, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Yeah, so that kind of changed everything. And that's a, a whole other story, but I almost died. I ruptured two arteries in my abdomen. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and almost bled to death internally. From um, a fight or from training? From training. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it happened. Well, actually, I was training for a fight, and it was the Friday last sparring session. I would leave the next week to go to the fight. Mm -hmm. And... um did my sparring rounds. The very first round, I had taken a kick to the stomach. It was fine. Didn't, like, knock the wind out of me. Nothing. Just kept going. Kept sparring. Did my three more rounds. You know, hung out afterwards and then got in the car and, and took off to go back to Tennessee. Four and a half hour drive. Um, I always talk to my wife on the drive. So I'm talking to her and, like, oh, my, God, my stomach kind of hurts. I didn't get much to eat this morning. I'm going to stop, grab some food. Uh -huh. So I did. See if that helps. I ate. Didn't really help. And then it just got worse and worse as the drive was going. And about like two hours into the drive, uh, I'm in Asheville, like about coming up to the mountains and, uh, you know, started feeling tingly all over, sweating all over. Oh my uh, gosh. She's like, you need to pull over. And then my vision went out. <gasps> and so then I like, you know, yelling, she's on the car speaker. So it's like, she can hear me and I'm like. You know, I can't see. And she's like, you need to pull over. So I kind of just like swerved to the side. Thank God there was no one next to me. Wow. Um, you know, felt my tires kind of dip into the side, you know, dirt mm -hmm. or whatever and threw on my brakes. Uh, and she hung up to call 911 because I couldn't see my phone. Wow. And uh, luckily my vision came back. I called 911. I drove. It was right. I was an off ramp right up the road. So I just drove off the off ramp into this parking lot. Yeah. And ambulance came and uh, yeah, they rushed me to the hospital. There's a lot of details in there that sure. are, yeah. are uh, you know, funny and kind of dumb on my part. And thank <laughs> all of the thanks needs to go to my wife because she pretty much saved my life because in that moment. But yeah, uh, yeah. How how lucky that you were on the phone with her and that she was proactive. Yeah, it's a, probably the best thing that I called her back after I called the ambulance and they came and got me because she's the one who talked me into getting into the ambulance because I was going to just drive to the hospital. <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> she was probably yelling at you like, no, oh, you're not. <laughs> oh, she was yelling at me and the ambulance people were looking at me like, man, you better listen because she's on the car speaker so mm -hmm. I hear everything she's saying. <laughs> uh, but they they took me to the hospital and, uh, you know, it didn't really go how I imagined it would be like. Uh, you know, normally you, I feel like you go in an ambulance, you go right into an emer emergency room, you know, see a doctor right away. Uh, I think I kind of downplayed what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so they took me right to the front desk and in a wheelchair and told me that they would get me checked in. I'd get back whenever they have an opening. Uh, but then I started to have like another episode and almost passed out. So they rushed me back. And I, the first thing the doctor, you know, when he asked me what's going on, like, I was like, I got hit in the stomach. I think I'm bleeding internally. And then 
they cut my shirt off, ultrasound, emergency, mm. like call a code. Wow. And uh, rushed me into emergency surgery. They called my wife and told her. And wow. She was already on her way. She knew something was up. So mm -hmm. uh, crazy. So after that, <laughs> you know, woo. Uh, yeah. That'll change scary. your perspective on life really quick. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I almost stopped fighting after that. Um, more so for my kids. Like they yeah. were pretty distraught and shook from the whole whole event yeah. and um they didn't really want me to fight and then you know after talking with them a little bit and everything it's kind of one of those things where i mean doctors told me i couldn't i shouldn't fight anymore and one doctor told me that they believe i still can and so for me it was just like i i want to try you know yeah. i need to try for myself and if whatever i'm okay i'll be okay like if i need to stop i'll be fine like i'll call I'll call it quits and mm -hmm. uh but I need to try for myself just to know um and so I did and uh I came back from that and you know but yeah it was a big thing but after yeah. that it was just like the whole move sorry I got off topic a little no, bit. No, well no. I'm I'm glad that you're here now <laughs> yeah yeah me too <laughs> um but yeah so then after that it was just like yes we we need to move we need to be together uh, so we began looking for for property, looking for land. We knew we still wanted to have land. We still wanted to have the farm mm -hmm. um, and bring that over. So um, we ended up, you know, finding the property and uh, and getting it, and then you know, slowly moving over. And it still feels like we're not settled. Yeah. Like there's how still, long has it been? Um, so it's been well. I was still traveling back and forth. Like we've got a little place, and then we're going back and forth. And so it's just, I think it's been. Well, I don't even know how long it's been now. Not that's, too long, but it's just yeah. hard. It's hard to think about it too, like yeah. how long it's actually been because it's been. I don't feel like we've really been settled or really living here yet. Right. You know, just till re up to recently. You know, I've been coming in and training and, and stuff like that, but it's like a lot of stuff going back to Tennessee. All yeah. of us going, all of us coming here and yeah. like going back and forth. So it just feels like, you know. We're finally now starting to settle in. That's a good everything. feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, it still feels like there's a long way to go, but at least it's kind of like slowing down a little bit. So Yeah. How do you like Belmont? I see you're repping two different Muddy River Distillery merch pieces. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I love these guys, you know. Uh, you know, they're they're actually, they're the distillery's right under our gym. Nice. Uh, so where we're at now, we moved into a new place, and we're right above Muddy River Distillery. Nice. Uh the guys are, are good friends of mine. Um, you know, I actually love their rum, um, working on doing something with them too. So, uh, but they, they sponsor me for fights and stuff like that and help out in any way they can. And, you know, I try to help them out any way I can. And, mm -hmm. but I mean, I'm not biased or anything. I just actually <laughs> love the rum. And actually I'm usually, I used to be like a real whiskey guy and, okay. uh, you know, like I'm more of a sipping guy, not like a party mixing rum kind of guy or okay. mixing drink kind of yeah. guy. Uh, so, you know, I always had, uh, sipped on whiskeys and stuff like that. And then I found their rum and they have, uh, like a sipping rum kind of, mm -hmm. um, you know, an aged rum different. So I really got into that and like their stuff. And so, um, yeah, just everything they have is really good. So if you ever get a chance, go check them out. Um, <laughs> obviously, you know, yeah, I'm wearing a shirt and a hat, <laughs> uh, actually just got this hat. cool. I like the orange. It's different. So, uh, yeah, check them out if you're into that. Nice. Muddy River Distillery did not pay us to say it. <laughs> yeah. <they> follow us. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> no, but they were great. I mean, they, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, I mean, those guys did uh, 
such a big thing for the community in terms of turning what they were doing and doing hand sanitizer yeah. and um they were just they were huge yeah yeah, yeah. they did yeah they try to always help out the community and everything and, and do things to you know really get out there and help people so mm-hmm. hey citizens are you feeling savvy yet if not let's take a break and hear about some cool things happening in and around gaston county Book lovers rejoice. The Friends of the Gaston County Public Library annual book sale is right around the corner, and this year, it's a full week. Yes, you heard that right. The book sale will be Monday, April 10th through Saturday, April 16th at the main library on East Garrison Boulevard in Gastonia. Hours may vary, so visit www.gastonlibrary.org for more information. So getting getting settled here, getting into farming, I know you talked about kind of the near-death experience and, and maybe changing perspective a little bit. What do you see as, as the future for yourself in fighting? Is it is it still, I'm looking forward to the next fight, I'm, I'm not done yet? Or is this like you're starting to think, what what's next? What's the next phase for me? No, you know, uh, obviously, you know, there's, you know, the future in hand and everything like that. Fighting's not going to last forever. You know, mm-hmm. you can't do it forever. I've known that since the moment I got into it. Um, and, you know, at some point, your either body's going to give or, or, or not. You know, it's just not going to be able to compete anymore. Um, so, I mean, it's always planning, you know, helping, you know, trying to set yourself up for, you know, the next thing. But I'm definitely not done fighting. Um, you know, this is, I feel like I've really just kind of stepped into my prime. And, hmm. you know, yeah, I'm coming off of two losses right now. Um, but I think you're going to see a, a big turn and a big jump for me coming up here soon. Um, you know, I think, you know, before that I had two huge wins. I was on like a three, four fight win streak. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm finding the top of the division, finding these guys, you know, they're also legend in the sport, very good in what they do too. So, um, you know, opportunities, I, I jumped at some opportunities and, uh, you know, Maybe I bit off a little more than I could chew, obviously. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to the. I am really looking forward to the next fight. Um, I'm looking forward to changing some things and and getting better and improving, like I said, and uh, really showing people uh, that I'm still here. Well, and nobody got anywhere by fighting tomato cans. Like you got to fight yeah, the best. Exactly, and that's that's what I I aim to do. You know, I never ask for any certain people. I mean, I do ask for certain people, but they're at the top of the division, obviously. Right. You know, uh, I want to fight the best. And I never shy away from any challenge. So, you know, when they offered me the fight, the opportunity, uh, I jumped on it. You know, even though I knew the guy was a grappler and, you know, that's how he would try to, you know, do it. It's fine. I don't care. I want to, like I said, I want to be the best version. I want to be the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. So if that means, you know, obviously I got to test myself against the best people in the world. And if they're the best and the best grapplers out there, that's okay too, because I want to make sure like I'm, I'm the best. So. I got to test myself against the best. So was your, once you get a fight and you're gearing up for it, what is, what does training look like for you in a typical week in the, in the, the weeks kind of running up to a fight? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, going in, well, it's the morning, wake up, you know, I'm with the family now. So that's always great. Yeah. Uh, I do say like with my family around, you get a better version of myself. So even mm-hmm. in the training room, I feel like my coaches, my team, uh, they see that as well. You know, I see they think, you know, I think they see a better version of myself during training and stuff because, 
you know, my family is with me now. So, yeah. um, that's great. And then, you know, I head into the gym, you know, get ready, get prepped. I, and I do more of like a closed camp now, um, before I used to just do, you know, open camp and really be in the room with all the, everybody, you know, it didn't matter. And that's, that's cool. I love that. You know, I really do uh, just for me in this time and everything right now, it's just, I try to put it more to a, a focus and there's some, you know, just close it down really and focus mm -hmm. solely on the matchup I have at hand. So with that said, I, you know, I show up, there's a, usually a class ending, you know, whatever, say what's up to some of the guys and, and, and who, some of the people are working that, you know, working out there. Some people I see who are in there all the time, you know, uh, it's always great to see, you know, people training and getting better, new faces also saying hi to them. Um, but then we get into my session and usually it's just me and a couple guys and, um, you know, my coach watches over the practice, you know, breaks down whatever we need to break down and go over. So, um, you know, spend a few hours there training, then, uh, usually head home, do some, uh, farm work, do farm chores, whatever's there that needs to do. It's kind of hard during the week with, uh, especially during training sessions and stuff, uh, to get home and really, so it's like really prep, just doing the normal everyday chores and then prepping things for the weekend mm. <laughs> to get done. Uh, but honestly, my kids, my wife, uh you know i have two boys and a little girl i mean they help out so much on the farm it's it's ridiculous nice. like it's really uh and that's honestly what we wanted you know um to raise them in a different environment show them you know how to really work hard and and, and reward and just kind of get the benefits of a farm of you know life being born and life lost sadly and uh you know getting through it and everything so you know the animals rely on them and they know that and so they really handle business and and take care of everything so it's pretty amazing um but then it's like that night conditioning you know get hit a second workout either a hard conditioning session or like uh kind of a like longer slow heart rate kind of conditioning but just low output um not real strenuous and then uh focus on recovery after that that's family a time. long day. <laughs> yeah, family You're time. You're basically doing day. two a days with farm chores in between. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could see where that keeps you in pretty good shape. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I still feel like in the beginning of it, you know, when you first get onto the conditioning and stuff and you get going, you're like, whew, yeah. holy cow. Like, okay, I realize how out of shape I was, even though – like it wouldn't even be that long or anything. Like sure. when you really start prepping for a fight and you yeah. get into the hard fight conditioning, it's like, wow, why do I feel so so out of shape? I've been training every day. Mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> I've been doing, you know, conditioning too, but it's just a whole nother level. Yeah. Right. If someone if someone wanted to get into, uh, you know, Muay Thai or MMA for fitness or for fun, recreationally, um, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, uh, you can check out Jimmo. It is uh, the gym is uh, kind of a private gym, actually. Um, you have to email the head coach Jeff Jimmo, and then sets up a meeting. Then he has an interview process, and then you mm. go through the interview process, and then you know get to join the gym. And they have Muay Thai Jiu Jitsu and wrestling and boxing and kickboxing. Um, so if you're into it, check it out. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Jeff Jimmo at iCloud, I think. Okay. <laughs> com, something like that. Yeah. Um, but if you're interested in the gym, that's how you get a hold of them. Um, there's also a sign at the door that says his email. <laughs> ah, there you go. So if you show up wondering what's, what it's yeah, about. Yeah. There's not a really a walk. It's not really a walk-in gym. So they have like the email right there if you're interested. But, um, 
yeah, if you, if it's something you're interested in, whether for fitness or um, you know to to actually compete or anything like that, I think uh, the biggest thing is is staying consistent. You know, get into it, take it slow. Um, you know, find somewhere where you can really learn and have uh, great teachers and great coaches and a great atmosphere, and that uh, you feel you know you may feel uncomfortable at first just because it's something new, but um, you know, stick with it and be consistent. Like I said, is is the biggest thing. You know, people get into you know, get in and they come in for a few days, but then they're gone for a week and then they're, you know, back for a few days. And it's kind of hard to really catch a groove on that and develop and improve um, and really get, you know, the best of it. So the, the biggest thing for I say anybody starting out is just staying consistent and uh, enjoy the process. It's a lot of fun. So don't take it too seriously. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, Brian, I, I appreciate you coming in, taking the time. Um, wish you the best of luck as you continue on with your journey. And, um, Definitely, um, next time you make it onto uh, the next UFC card, um, we have Gaston County rooting for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys, both of you. Thank you for having me on, and uh, thank you for your support. Absolutely. Of course. The Savvy Citizen Podcast is a production of the Gaston County Communications Office. It is hosted by Janet Schaefer and Adam Gobb, and its senior field correspondent is Elizabeth McGee. Editor and producer is Joshua Braswell. Coming up on next week's show, we've got a special Earth Day themed episode all about recycling. If you're interested in learning how you can make a difference, you will not want to miss this.